0: Hello mainstreamers and cinephiles and everybody in between, I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. And Operation Silver Screen is a go!
1: Welcome everyone to another weekly debrief. Each week, Bryant and I take on a case from our backlog of must-see films that either one of us or both of us have not yet seen. and our debrief, will provide not only our opinion of the film, but we'll also discuss its significance and influence in both the film industry and overall culture as a whole. Along the way, we'll also provide other fun trivia and insights on the film. Bryant, so what was our mission this week?
0: Our mission this week is an answer to a question that I think probably a lot of people have. Uh, We're doing a movie about a female athlete, and usually those are about like, hey, women are equal, they can play ball of any sport, just along with the men. We've seen it plenty of times in sitcoms and movies. But this one, this one actually asks, can women both play basketball and have love? Not love or basketball, love and basketball. And I, of course, you know, you asked me that, I said, yeah, of course, you know, women can Hey, whatever they set their mind to. But for, I guess, the general public and and Caitlyn, they wondered, "Ah, I don't know, I'm going to need like a visual presentation of some sort to show this. In continuing celebration of Black History Month, we'll be discussing the 2000 romance film with primarily black cast, Love and Basketball, written and directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, who actually directed Women King of last year. That's a movie that's been getting a lot of awards and also just one of the most popular movies of last year and this is a movie that both of us have not seen isn't that correct Caitlin?
1: Yeah that's correct.
0: And has this film been on your radar before?
1: It has it's a film that I've heard a lot of different people talking about it and it was a film that was often on TV I feel like like channels like maybe ABC Family had it on a lot I just never actually had a chance to watch it it was just always poor timing but it's something that I maybe shied away from a little bit because I'm not a huge basketball fan. I don't really know much about basketball, but in general, I do actually love sports movies. I am a big fan of sports movies, and of course, I'm a fan of romance movies as well. So, you know, put those two together, it seems like something that I might be interested in. So I am glad that I finally got to watch this.
0: I did not really know of this film I think I may have heard it before, but with the title, I just maybe I can't remember it as well. It's not too unique of a title. It's a very appropriate title. We'll talk about that soon. But I can't say that this was on my radar. But when you mention it, like when last year we were discussing whether to do this or Pretty Woman, I think it was down to these two, which one we were going to do. And I I was looking at I was leaning toward love and basketball for a while before we went over to Pretty Woman. I'm glad we actually saved it because we got to do it in a very appropriate month. Dual appropriate.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Now this first portion, don't worry, is going to be spoiler free. And you know what? I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to do something for you guys. I'm going to give you a spoiler warning when we do get into it. All right. So no worries. Continue forth. Now this film, of course, with all the films we do, does have some accolade. And of course, there have been reviews of this film. Caitlin, what did you find?
1: So, this film received a standing ovation at Sundance at its premiere in front of a primarily white audience, having previously only previewed in front of black audiences. So, it did get good acclaim. It opened with a quiet opening weekend. It only made about 8 million opening weekend, but it's one of those films that grew in popularity over time. In total, it grossed 27.7 million worldwide, and the budget was between 14 and $20 million. It's now considered a cult classic. Many people refer to it as such. Uh, it did win a couple of awards, including Best Actress for Santa Lathan in the 2001 BET Awards and also at the NAACP Image Awards. And the director, Gina Prince-Bivewood, won Best First Screenplay Indep- Independent Spirit
0: Awards. Sorry, I was just trying to look for... I was curious about the DVD sales on this one. 'Cause I mean, the box office isn't too huge. I mean it's a good it's a good turnaround, but it is a film that's just been, you know, rewatched and loved throughout the years. And they even they did a twenty uh twentieth anniversary for this film where they went back with the the cast and director and talked about the film again.
1: Yeah, I would be interested to see the D V D sales and also just the viewing um on television as well i know we've talked about that with some other films that they kind of get a new life once they do go to tv
0: something actually you don't see too much nowadays of course with streaming
1: yeah no you don't i mean you you do a little bit um for something that hasn't been on streaming and suddenly it's just available there on netflix and it might be popular for a bit um but it's not the same as it was back when you know cable was a real big thing
0: Yes, and actually, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen a clip from Matt Damon, but he explains why certain movies don't get made anymore. And he really broke it down, and it it comes down to a lot of, because of DVD sales, and there's no longer any DVD sales. So you have to be, there's more of a risk producing a film nowadays. Because before, even if it bombed at a box office, hey, the DVD sales could pick up, but now you don't have that anymore. Like, I'm sure they get some money from streaming, but maybe not as much as they used to with DVD sales.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point.
0: With this film, I found an IMDb score of 7.2. That's good. This had a 85% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes with a 95% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. 95, really good. Really good. And again, what I expected. Uh, As for awards, you mentioned the awards. It had uh, a lot of other awards and nominations from channels uh BET awards MTV awards and teen choice awards I'm not sure where those are at nowadays I'm not even sure if BET is even still a thing
1: yeah I'm not sure because I don't I don't I don't have cable I just I just stream
0: yeah but I would think like a streaming service would pick it up but it could also be like we don't really need BET anymore we have every like on streaming I mean you have categories and topics I forget what year it was but there's categories and topics now that you can just search for predominantly black cast, give something to the black culture, directed, written, created by a black artist. Um, back, But BET, they were kind of the only ones really promoting a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Teen Choice Awards, at first I was like, whoa. And then I remember uh, the, this is PG-13. That's kind of appropriate. There was another movie we were talking about and it was like the Kids' Choice Awards. It was like a rated R movie. Yeah. Oh, it was Coming to America.
1: Was it? Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah,
0: Eddie Murphy won. Yeah, I think that was like for a kid's choice award.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But again, Cable used to censor out a lot. So I think if you censor out a lot of that movie, yeah, it is, it is fine for children for the most part. Cut, cut out some scenes. Speaking of streaming, I wonder if they're going to do that again. I know, I think Disney does it. Like They have a less mature section for their uh, Marvel films. I mean, not Marvel films, but Marvel TV shows. I'm surprised like there's not that kind of option on streaming where they can edit and just blurp out the, the cussing like before.
1: I don't know if Disney Plus has edited versions, do they? Yeah. I know that you have to sign in to see more mature content.
0: Okay, well, yeah, there's a gate that you have to pass. You got to show your ID,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the mouse lets you through.
1: I mean, Netflix has like Netflix kids, but I don't know that they necessarily have like edited versions of films.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, Disney Plus actually does have edited versions of film because it was a controversy for a moment because, of course, everybody just read headlines and didn't actually look into it and find out, oh, wait, there's two options. You can watch the edited version or the unedited version. Oh, okay. This also sparked a bidding war at Sundance. Like you said, they had a standing ovation for it. This bidding war started actually just with the script reading. They hadn't even uh, presented the film yet. Also, I wonder, like when you said there was a predominantly white audience and everybody had the standing ovation. I wonder if it was like the movies where you just have that that one guy or girl finally stand up and start doing the slow clap. Like it's a real <laughs> tense moment, and they think, oh no, they don't like it. And you just hear that one person in the back just giving that clap, and everybody starts standing up.
1: No, I think that actually is what happened because I was reading an interview, I think it was uh, Gina Prince-Blyfield that said that she was afraid, but she was like, oh my gosh, they hate this movie. This is not for them. And then suddenly the applause started, so...
0: People all of a sudden start cheering. I think racism died at that point. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> this is also part of the Criterion Collection. hmm yep. Yeah, we're both fans of the Criterion Collection, and they're a, I mean, if you want some really nice Blu-rays like made by people who love film, Criterion is definitely the way to go. Definitely. Now give us money, Criterion.
1: <laughs>
0: now, this film is about love and basketball. Is there more? Honestly, not really. It's about love and basketball. <laughs> no, it is it is a film about two neighbors. One just moved in and she's a female. Both of them like to play basketball. And they kind of have this friendship, there's a lot of romantic tension in between the two, and they're also both at the same time, it's, it's a coming of age film. It goes from coming of age to coming into maturity between them and the past that they're trying to take, you know, not just with basketball, but their life and both their romantic life. Caitlin, what did you think about this film?
1: Just to give a little bit more background on this film, it is executive produced by Spike Lee. Gina prince bythewood made the script a while before it was actually produced. It's uh, semi-autobiographical. I believe that uh, some things taken from the movie are from her personal life and also just her love of basketball. And in general, she said her goal was to do a Black When Harry Met Sally. When Harry Met Sally being a film that we will need to do at some point on the podcast because I definitely have not seen it, but I know it's one of the great rom-coms. You haven't seen it, right?
0: I have not. I think my brother just watched it, though, if I overheard correctly.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do it at some point. Maybe we'll invite your brother Ben on the show for an episode. (laughs) Good old rookie. Overall, I thought this was an enjoyable film. I don't think it's going to be my favorite romantic comedy of all time. But it's good for what it is. And there are elements that I liked better than others. The movie itself is split up into quarters. And some of the quarters of this film work better than others. Which is kind of what happens when you do split up films. A lot of them don't always have equal parts as well as the others the beginning of this film in particular was a bit rough for me i think that time when their children in the first quarter because each quarter kind of goes through different phases of their lives but the time when their children had some pretty rough dialogue and uh, some of the critical response that i didn't mention some of the more negative critical responses that the dialogue is a bit cheesy that was one uh element that was mentioned by a couple critics and i definitely feel that in this film i think that the dialogue a lot of times was cheesy especially uh, with those beginning child actors but the chemistry between the leads is good and there are good things in this film that i did enjoy so overall it was it was a a decent film
0: the child actors in the beginning yeah it was a bit rough it's always kind of i don't know i feel like it's a hit or miss with children or child actors in film and we talked about it before it's, it has to do a lot with the directors i think they did all right for kids it pro- it was the weaker portion of the movie and yeah I, I agreed like the quarters some were better than others but i think that's i don't know i feel like when you do quarters and you do parts it also brings them like when, when that's made apparent to the audience like you show it right in their face i think it then makes those parts comparative to each other more so than a film that's just flowing through it kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of Moonlight. You know, everybody kind of has yeah. their favorite part of Moonlight. I, I think everybody agrees. Like one portion is is better than the other. Though I did what I did like about the child actors, and I liked about the all the actors really is that they all had appropriate, well demonstrated chemistry be- between each other. And when I say appropriate, I mean the father and son relationship. I think that had that had chemistry. The, the son and the mother, two children with their romantic chemistry, and then going on to their teen self quote-unquote uh which is just their adult self and they play the, the last three quarters because there was a part where like the children are playing and they also have some banter between each other and i thought yeah, this is like like i can definitely see this this is really genuine even when they even when they get together though i think that's when you can kind of see the uh q's character the main male lead q you can kind of see uh probably doesn't have the most healthy role model of a relationship And he asked the girl, he's like, hey, you want to be my girl? Or I think he even says, hey, I think you should be my girl. It's really Mm -hmm. quick. And I thought, man, was it easy to pick up girls back then? Or do I just just, do I just suck now? Probably a little bit of both. (laughs) But then they go on to like start just fighting each other, which I had asked myself, is that domestic violence? (laughs) But I, I really did like the I liked how the friendship grew between them as well.
1: It was nice seeing uh, Kyla Pratt as the young Monica in this film, just because I don't even remember the last movie that she was in or what she's doing now. But I remember she was a big child actress when we were younger.
0: I knew she looked familiar.
1: Although this was a movie I even wrote in my notes. I said, this is going to be a, Oh, they are in this movie because there was, there was a lot of them.
0: Okay. Also, I know why Kyla Pratt is, I, I was thinking, I was like, I'm pretty sure she's in this and I've seen her name recently. She's, she does the voice for Penny, Penny Proud, and she's in the the oh, reboot series, yeah, that's right. Prouder and Louder. And actually, they just released a second season. I need to watch that. I I really like the first season.
1: Hmm. I need to finish the first season. But yeah, that's that's one of the things that she's big for. I didn't know she was uh back for the new series.
0: Yep. Yep. And still doing well.
1: But who else is in this film? I know Regina Hall is in it. I think uh. Gabrielle Union's there for a minute, Tyra Banks, uh Alfrey
0: Woodard. Omar Epps being the, the main male lead with uh Sana Lathan being the main actress. And then her mother, um
1: Yeah, Alfrey Woodard. I just mentioned her. Yep. But uh and also uh Dennis Haysbert, who is the all state guy. Although the two leads, Omar Epps and Sana Lathan, I I'm not familiar with them. They weren't they are new actors to me having watching this.
0: I've seen a bit of one of their movies. Omar Epps, I know of. I just haven't seen a lot of his films.
1: Oh, he's in Scream 2.
0: Yeah, yeah. But he's got a quick role.
1: But that's probably all that I uh, really know him from, but I'm thinking of.
0: And uh, Regina Hall is actually in Scary Movie, which parodies that. And Mm -hmm. she plays Omar character's spoof's girlfriend. Gotcha. I think that's like three degrees or something.
1: <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: But as far as my, my overall opinion with this, uh, I made the joke a couple times that this movie sticks to the title. And I, I like that. I think, they, I think they did a good balance when it came to the love and the basketball. There really wasn't much outside of that. And I think they had a good focus and they had a good back and forth with it. Nothing really got... No, I wouldn't really be able to tell you which topic is the forefront would you agree?
1: Mm, I think love slightly over basketball. For me, something I think I could have actually done a little bit more basketball. Even though I don't like basketball personally, I enjoy that underdog tale that a lot of sports movies have. And it's just kind of like inspirational fun. Uh, you really root for them to succeed. And it it's fun. uh And so I could have used a little bit more of that. Because a lot of times when you're seeing these big games and big moments, it's not you don't get that same kind of impact because a lot of times they're switching back and forth between uh, the two characters to show where their mind's at on the relationship level and in their personal lives. And you're not really focusing on their mind on the game itself.
0: Right. Right. But I would say that the basketball, I'm not just talking about the games I'm talking about the discussion of basketball and what they're focusing their lives in. Not just, not just the games, So also bringing that table, both the discussion of the basketball and actually seeing it done, I think it's the same with the love. It's the discussion of love and then actually seeing the love. And that's where I saw that balance. But you said it's just a little bit over. So it's mostly balance.
1: Yeah, I think that it's balanced in that I believe that both of these things are meaningful to both of these characters in a balanced way.
0: I thought, so the writing, yes, the writing was weak, but not weak to the point that it bothered me. I just thought it could have been stronger. I mean, yeah, it was, it was cheesy, but it wasn't the real cheese that we've seen. Like this mm-hmm. was like, you know, this was some, this was just some regular cheese. I, I think just some regular cheese, just some regular cheese. Like to put it in a comparison. All right. We got regular cheese. And then we when we really think about those cheesy romantic movies, I feel like those are like crap singles. It's not even real cheese. It's artificial <laughs> cheese. Like it's just, I don't know. I think that's a whole nother level below. Uh, what I also liked, because um, I think the directing and the writing—I uh, think the directing was done well and the writing was done well for the most part. Uh, it was accompanied by great music. I actually really liked the soundtrack to this to this film.
1: Yeah, I was not expecting what uh woman's work coming on.
0: Not sure. I'm not familiar with the title. If you play the song, I this probably know it. woman's work.
1: Oh my gosh! It was. It happened like during their like, I guess their their sex scene. I think is when it played, but I was not expecting it. It didn't really fit to me just because of other instances in which I've heard that song, but I was, I was not expecting it to come on.
0: (laughs) I could have used a little bit more of some things and I was not totally sold on the romance at the end. Omar Epps character Q, he still had some problems that I, that I don't think were maybe fully developed and resolved. It definitely, I don't feel like they were all resolved. I think he, he owed an apology for some things, and I don't think we ever got that resolution. But other than that, I found this to be a nice, light watch.
1: Yeah, it was a nice, light watch. And I appreciated the chemistry between the two characters. The actors were actually dating prior to production. Um, but as far as the relationship itself, I, I don't know that I entirely wanted them to be together. Uh, and I guess we'll talk a little bit about but more in spoilers. But for me... Quincy Q, I wasn't a fan of him, and I kind of did want Monica to do better and move on. So I don't know that this really sold the relationship for me because we're also seeing, you know, their lifespan and different things that they've done and mistakes that they've done. And in a way, I don't think that that relationship really worked for me because of those mistakes that were made. And we'll talk about that more in spoilers, like I said, but. But that's how I felt. But I did appreciate the chemistry, like I said.
0: Yeah, same, same here. They had a when they were friends, they had a nice, friendly chemistry. And then when they actually started the romance, they had that that same chemistry again, mm-hmm. or an an increased chemistry between them. Yeah, I would say one thing I do like about Omar Epps' character, the mistakes that he made, is that it was not hinted at, but they had a good portrayal of like how. An unhealthy home, like an unhealthy parent relationship can lead to a child having unhealthy uh, relationship habits. Like Even yeah, when he starts dating her in the beginning, he said, hey, you got to ride on my bike now. Like he was telling his girl what to do. And they were, what, 10, I think? Mm-hmm. And I, I do like that. So the, the father does, he does make some mistakes. And they have some arguments there. I do like that they didn't go into... The domestic violence territory. I thought they were gonna go there for a second. They don't. I appreciate that. Uh, I don't think that's always necessary. But just kind of looking at his parents' relationship, you you see the how it how it leads to his personality and how he goes about things. And I think the same can be said about Lathan's, uh character as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monica. Oh, definitely. Yeah, she doesn't have the same issues. Her parents have like some issues. They're pro- they have a better relationship than omar's parents but it, it they still have issues and then that's you can see that being portrayed in her character as well so i think the writing did a good job on that i think that's what kind of increases it for me to be in in a in a well territory
1: yeah i agree i definitely agree with that and just seeing her parents and how that influenced her personality was was cool to see
0: and you mentioned the basketball you wish you had seen more of the games now what you did get to see what did you think of them
1: but the games itself, like I said, I I really couldn't focus on the games at all, and it wasn't that I really wanted to see more of the games, just more basketball in general, more of that like triumph instead of it always being switching back to relationship because I feel like they were so interconnected that like you couldn't, I mean, it was done purposefully, but you couldn't really feel for her successes. Without equating it back to their relationship.
0: Okay, I see that. I don't think I feel as strongly as you do. Not even strongly. I don't think I fully see it, but I can. I can con- I see where you're going.
1: Hmm. I mean, it's not something I feel super strongly about. Like, it's not a make or break for a film for me. It's just something that personally I just would have liked to see a little bit more.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why I switched up the word strongly. I was like, wait, hold up. It's yeah, <laughs> not like she's trying to die on this hill. I I, I really like the basketball shots. What what I like is that there were a lot of cuts and scenes that they had that made me wonder like what did they not use because there's so much of this like i felt like they probably recorded a whole game and then gave it to the editor and they made something with it they also had a cool pov shot in one of the games where you kind of you're you're in her head literally and you you hear her thoughts as she's trying to focus i like how the mm-hmm. i like the portrayal that it wasn't too much that it was kind of like i said i think it was balanced i like how it wasn't When we think about boxing movies, it's all leading up to that championship. We get multiple championships in this movie. And if you think about it, because kind of the way the movie plays out, there could be a reason writing-wise as to why they don't focus as hard on the championships. We'll talk about that in spoilers. Mm Mm-hmm. But every, everything else, even like you see the training, you see different kind of shots, you see different maneuvers. It's not all the glamorous shots that are being made, even though they have to two the buzzer moments, which I'm like, do we have to do this every time? In sports movies, it's always down to the buzzer, mm-hmm. always down to the final round. I just want to see somebody get knocked out right from the get go <laughs> and just somebody just blow out another team. You also mentioned the sex, and I wanted to talk about that because we're talking about a PG-13 movie. Okay. So- course she's covered up during the whole thing and I've, I've gotten to the point i don't know when it started but like i don't know probably when i turned into an adult that sex scenes they started sometimes seem unnecessary i think we talked about that and do the right thing i didn't see the need for that sex scene there especially when i found out like how it was how it was done
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i think that's because you lose a certain art to it and the passion of it and the, and the meaning I think some films they just kind of use it to make it like a hot and steamy again glamorous moment mm-hmm. you know or you know give, give it a little bit of eye candy out there. We talked about it on the worst person in the world as well when it comes to the to the male gaze during these type of moments but what i' I actually dug the sex scene in here because it felt very realistic, maybe a little bit um a little bit more experienced than you would think seventeen year old or eighteen year olds to be. But what I liked about it is that, for one, one thing that you don't see in a lot of sex scenes is somebody reaching for a condom.
1: Yes, I wrote in my notes, oh, safe sex! (laughs) Exclamation point.
0: (laughs) And again, you have a PG-13 movie. So you have a movie that's being, you know, not only appropriate, but being advertised to children of 14 or above. But honestly, when you have PG-13 movies, man, it's like 10-year-olds go and watch them as well. So it was cool to see him get the condom. I felt like that was a a good message to to teens out there, or to pretty much anybody out there to practice safe sex. You know, we kind of talked about you know making sure to take your medication and a beautiful mind. I think that's a nice little touch again by you know whoever's creative decision it was.
1: I agree, especially since they're so young and like this movie is so focused on you know their goals in life. This is of course something that they would be doing because obviously they don't want a pregnancy at this point because they have their goals in mind and they're going to work towards them and so that's kind of part of it so i thought that was a good inclusion
0: and consent as well Mm -hmm. uh there there's a moment when he asked her if if he should stop he's like hey should i stop and she says no keep going and so they have a nice they have consent they have safe sex i it's a real positive image, and that should be that should be respected.
1: I feel like there was another movie recently we watched with Safe Sex, but I can't remember what it was.
0: No, I can't think of what it was either. I, and one more thing about that. I like how him getting... I think what a lot of people worry about getting the condom is that it's going to break the whole mood. But no, that music didn't stop. That music kept going. It stayed passionate throughout the whole thing.
1: I think also a little part of it was also alluding to... I mean, I guess in a more negative way, what his mom has been teaching him this whole time that women will trap him. So I think while it was also all of that that we said before, there also was this kind of thematic moment too, where it's like, he's cognizant that he doesn't want this situation. And it kind of, for me, it also showed his relationship with women too, in a negative way as well, even though, of course... (laughs) It still you safe sex, (laughs) but it it worked thematically.
0: And I I mean, dang, we're talking about a lot of a sex scene in a PG-13 movie. And also (laughs) you can see a positive spin on it later because his father reveals to him that he was young when he got his mom pregnant. So it can be seen as well as him making better decisions than his father. And that's something Mm -hmm. that comes into theme later is like. Is he going to end up as the same man as his father or is he going to be better than his father? Not just both, not just in, again, not just both in basketball or alone in basketball, but in love as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you gotta commend to writing on that.
0: Yeah, uh, writing and directing, which are the same person. So, you know, just a yeah. <laughs> double pat on the back. You get one shoulder, I get one shoulder. Last thing that I want to talk about with this film is the lighting of black people. There really isn't a film that is going to bring this back into topic, and it seems like we have some room in this episode to talk about it. And actually, I saw Boys in the Hood just the other day. They were they had a theater screening, so I went in earlier before our next episode recording. And I noticed the lighting in there as well. There were some good, and then there were some, some bad. And it's interesting with film, people don't really take an account of how important it is to light black people like the difference in lighting both black people and white people and it's funny too i watched dolomite is my name again preparing for episodes in the future this month and uh spike lee's character actually explained it the best he said hey you gotta make sure with the principle of photography they know how to light both black people and white people eddie murphy character asked like what's the difference you just put up the camera and just shoot he says well black people absorb light white people reflect light It's with all skin tones. You have to have different lighting. But of course, you know, when filming started, it was with primarily white people. So there wasn't really an established way to light black people. And Caitlin, you haven't made films before. Is it more difficult to film people of a darker color?
1: I mean, granted, I am not a cinematographer, uh, but something that, you know, the films that I'm on and something that is really important to me is that. You know, you that's something you have to know how to do if you want to be considered a good cinematographer. And I think it's just, you know, knowing where to put your lights. I, I don't think that it's harder. I think some people struggle with when there's multiple skin tones on the same scene and how to make everyone stand out on the scene. I think I've noticed that being a real big issue, which is something that I appreciate with Love and Basketball because, you know, our two main romantic leads, they have very different skin tones. I mean, they're obviously both black, but she is definitely more light skin and he's more dark skin, but you can still, you know, see their facial expressions and, and have that good lighting. But I I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's not so different in that, you know, you have your subject, you have your basic uh, natural fill light. You need to learn how to add additional lights to, to make them stand out, make them stand out for the background to enhance their features. Um, I know it's good to know undertones and see what color lights are going to best um, work with them and work with your scene. And that's something that is kind of true for, for lighting anyone really. So it is unfortunate that people aren't willing to put in the extra work uh, to light someone of color just because they're not used to doing so and I think that that's a shame.
0: Yeah, definitely. It shouldn't be. It should be. It should come with the same difficulty as lighting anybody else. But there was just so much history and techniques focusing on one. But it actually it came up in conversation, um, and has uh, been continuing conversation. But when the first thing when I looked in lighting black people into Google, a certain show came into place. And somebody's probably thinking, oh, well, was it was like a show in like the seventies, the eighties. Now this article was written in two thousand seventeen. Was it, it insecure? Yep insecure. Mhm. Oh, so you're familiar.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because I remember when it came out, there were lots of articles about just how well they were doing it and the way that their lighting was. Granted it has a little bit. Some scenes have a little bit more artistic lighting than what we're seeing here in Love and Basketball, but it it is a, a really well-lit show and it and it looks very nice.
0: Yes, and that's the other thing too is it's not just about getting it correct, but now that we have got it to where it's done appropriately, people are seeing now how to take the artistic advantage to it. And you mentioned, of course, a lot of it comes to lighting and positioning. Something I was reading on is uh, moisturing as well. Uh, just keeping, keeping the, the actors well moisturized to kind of give them more of a bounce to the light. But other people have given it thought to when it comes to setting backgrounds, uh, setting backgrounds to give more depth to a person or to make a person stand out. I was reading how in the movie Sorry to Bother You, they were using a black person's skin to their advantage by showing a reflection on it with, uh, I think it was like a card or something. And they were using that to their artistic ability. You also have to think about black and white films. Spike Lee d- directed a black and white film and he had to go in at how to properly film uh, black people in black and white movies so that you can actually tell that there's a difference there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, One way I would say to really think about it too is... Think about it by dressing, you know, when you're dressing yourself, when you look into like actually how to pull off colors, it does come down to skin tone as well. Certain colors work better for certain skin tones. I did mm-hmm. research on this when I had to wear, you know, like real uh, business professional attire. I was looking at, at yellow, like the color yellow, like what skin does it really look good on? And one of the interesting things I read, it said that if you're the skin color of like the rock of Dwayne Johnson, pretty much mm-hmm. every color is going to work on you. But as you start to, you mm-hmm. know, go up and down, certain colors aren't aren't going to work for you as best. Now, you have to you have to complement it. Just like I mean, women have been doing it all these years, a women of different skin colors will use different makeup.
1: Yeah, and there's also just like are you an autumn, a spring, a winter, a summer, like what's your color temperature that works for you? I think I'm an autumn.
0: I think I'm a spring. I have no idea. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I was born in spring, so it makes sense. And I can pull off yellow. So I think spring could work.
1: But but even like with, I mean, kind of diverging a little bit, even with the makeup industry, it was interesting growing up that so much of makeup was catered towards cool-toned and pink-toned people. Uh, So for me, like trying to find a warm-toned foundation that worked for me back in the day when I was younger was so difficult. And, you know, it's completely changed now, and we are getting makeup that's more suited for more varieties of skin tones. Of course, now everyone wants to be warm-toned, right? Because that's the Kardashian tan. So there's a lot more options now. <laughs> but but even, like, the depths of shades, it's, it's just so much, much better now. And so when you think about uh, film makeup as well, I'm sure that also is a, a huge factor.
0: But just something I thought was interesting, something I noticed in this movie, because there were sometimes that people, black people were different skin tones and there were also people that I knew. I was like, he's not this dark. Like, I was like, this individual is lighter than me. Why does he look like as dark as my father?
1: In Love and Basketball?
0: Yeah, in Love and Basketball.
1: Mm.
0: And we'll talk about, um, well, Boys in the Hood, they actually, I found out that the director, he made a technique to help out with exterior night scenes for black people uh, as well to light them properly. But in his movie, I saw sometimes, I was like, wait, this brother just changed skin colors again. Uh, last one I would say is Nope. Nope also uh, did some interesting things. I was trying to find it before the episode. I couldn't. But I know that like during all their night scenes, I actually filmed it in the daytime. And I think that was to also help with, um, you know, bringing out their characters as well.
1: hmm
0: Are you ready to talk about the influence this movie had? Sure. Are you?
1: <laughs> I don't have much for influence. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, go ahead and start. You know, just in case I that way I don't steal any of yours. Okay,
1: there are uh, references a lot to the title "Love and Basketball." There's a couple television episodes that have the title "Love and Basketball," including episodes from I Zombie and even Stevens. And while I couldn't find too much direct influences, it's it's obvious that this had an influence on romantic comedies and with with Black leads in both roles because this is something that we don't see too, too often. Uh, there was a, a bit of a streak for Black romantic comedies uh, around that time. There was Love Jones in 1997, The Best Man in 1999, and Brown Sugar in 2002. Uh, more recently, there's Enter Galactic is one that was on Netflix. It's an animation, but it is a romantic movie with two Black leads. And this is just not something that we see too often in popular movies and movies that are directed to uh, a larger audience, I think, even still today. I think a lot of the times that we see a lot of movies still where even if one character is a person of color, it tends to be an interracial relationship with one of the people being white. So still just... This coming out. While we had a lot of films with a variety of people of color, it's still not as common to have two black leads in a romantic comedy together.
0: There was one that came out last year, two years ago on Valentine's Day. It was with Lake Stanfield. Mm. I, I heard like very all right things about it.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is like, I feel like even when we do get some, they're not usually critically acclaimed
0: the one that's really been successful with it has been tyler perry i don't want to talk too much about tyler perry right now because i'm I'm saving him for another episode for our next episode so don't 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 come out yet tyler perry just just stay there (laughs) put the wig on later
1: i know there was also like south side of you which i think was the obamas right yes um there was also malcolm and marie lately i don't think that's a comedy but i don't think i've heard too good of things
0: not too many people were talking about it.
1: No. So like to have a movie like this that people are actually talking about and getting that critically acclaimed, it's, it's it's good. And I hope that we continue to get those.
0: And I would say it's not even so much romantic comedies. We're still progressing to have just black leads being, being in front without it having anything to do with their race, just being in any type of genre. Mm-hmm. But it's been progressing. You know, like, yeah, they may person in there, whether it's a spouse, best friend, it's getting better. Uh, influence that I saw is that when Gina went out to make this film, when she was writing this film, like you said, it was autobiographical. She herself was a female athlete. She liked to play basketball, but she felt that there was this stereotype when it came to female athletes, like they were all about the game, nothing else, tomboy, butch, and that they didn't have anything outside of it. So she wanted to go and make a film that showed that they can have a career and love. And while I can't find any direct influences, I can say that that is influential. You know, I don't know if any other films have taken taken note of that going into their own films, but I think that does provide some influence. S- speaking of the, the the female athlete on this, I, I mentioned in the beginning with Joe, but really this didn't focus on a girl can be just as good, which I felt like a lot of films were, were doing when it came to female athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it says a girl can be just as good, but that's not her whole main goal. Yeah, she does have the dream of being in the NBA, but it's not like, oh, man, I'm putting everything aside because I want to prove that I'm good as every other male. And then some males got to swoop in and save her off her feet and prove that she can be just as feminine and all that crap.
1: Yeah, well, something I appreciated with this film is that it didn't stick with the makeover she does get a makeover at one point in the film when she's going to homecoming and then she enters a relationship with q while this helped in a way get him to notice her it wasn't the only thing that he noticed about her it wasn't the defining point and when you see them actually in a relationship, she's still herself. She's not trying to maintain a makeover, maintain this this look that's not as who she truly is. It's not. She's not trying to be more feminine than who she really is.
0: Yeah, she mentions she can't walk in heels, but I'm, that's yeah, that's understandable. But we don't have like a whole a whole gag about it. We don't have her ripping her dress so she can maneuver more.
1: Although I gotta say, as uh, unfeminist as the makeover scenes are in rom coms, I do quite enjoy them.
0: You like the old coming out of the coming out of the dressing room closet at the store, a little little spin and twirl.
1: Yeah, with all the different outfits, I always love seeing the different outfits.
0: <laughs> I'm cool with it. I don't I don't think I see it as like a highlight. <laughs> but I don't know, maybe I'm just not thinking of one and one's gonna happen. I'm just gonna lose my mind.
1: Yeah, maybe. But yeah, this this film avoided that.
0: Now you say you also have some or more so significance of this film,
1: yeah, I mean, as you said before, this was a film where it's not a film about their race. it's a film who happened of it's a film of people who are black, who happen to be black, but it's not focused on that per se. It's not a movie about societal trauma, which is so different than what the movies were coming out of that time. It's still different than movies that we're seeing today. Uh, I mean, this was a film that showed upper middle class nuclear families. And a lot of films of that time, you just only saw black people as people with economic hardship, with racial trauma. And the fact that this was something lighthearted was really nice to see.
0: Especially with something, again, that's being advertised towards teenagers, towards kids it's nice for them to see themselves as just being people as just doing doing things that they like and and falling in love
1: yeah i mean we can go all into like social identity theory in media but but yes that's that's really important for especially young people to see something that they identify with and uh this was a film that was written and directed by a black woman it's uh Gina Prince Bivewood, it really started her career. She also directed, I believe she directed Secret Life of Bees.
0: Yes. Yep. That was uh that was one of her other films.
1: Yeah, and then of course now The Woman King and she actually just did an article in the Hollywood Reporter. It came out at the time we recording, it came out yesterday, but by the time this comes out it might be a little bit like a week late. Um, But she did just come out with an article in The Hollywood Reporter discussing the lack of recognition in the Oscars for black women with The Woman King, Till, and St. Omer receiving no nominations in the Academy Awards this season. So that's something that, you know, it's big for this film. It's big to see a black female director doing well, succeeding. And it's something that, you know, still is very much an issue that they're just not receiving the recognition that they deserve.
0: And not only is she black, she's also half Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. Given that uh, representation to both communities at once. Mm -hmm. Other benefits to multiracial, presented by Brian. (laughs) Uh, She also directed Old Guard, which was based on a comic book. I believe Mm -hmm. she was the first black and Latino woman, or Latino woman, Latina, to direct a comic book film. And I guess she proved herself with the Old Guard because she will be the first black and latina female to direct a, a comic book movie for marvel or in this case sony marvel chloe's eye was mcu Mar- marvel sony is doing black cat and silver sable pretty sure if you call mickey mouse up right now he's gonna say he has nothing to do with that
1: <laughs> so as we mentioned before this is a film that largely tackles gender equality in sports and it's interesting because when uh gina prince fivewood started writing this film the wnba didn't exist I wasn't able to look up exactly what year it was founded, but it didn't exist at the time that she was writing this film. It didn't exist as an option for her when she was growing up playing basketball. Basically, what women had to aspire to was was college, just playing for a college, and there wasn't really a pro pathway for them. So the script took kind of a turn with the existence of the WNBA and it gave our lead character something else to strive for and and have a goal towards that wasn't originally in the script so that was something that I found really interesting and a lot of female professional basketball players in general have come out and said how much they have connected to this film and that inspired them in their basketball journey so I thought that was really nice.
0: She must have had that script for a while. So the WNBA was founded in
1: 1996.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, like you knew.
1: No, I mean, yeah, she did have (laughs) it for a while. I mean, it it was for a while. She was working on it, hold on to it. And then also it was just, it was difficult for her to find someone to pick it up until, of course, Spike Lee showed up.
0: Yep. Speaking of Spike Lee, actually, I missed something in my influence. I wanted to talk about him. He had the, in, cause he's the one that produced this film. He had the input to have a believable woman, b- basketball player in here. So not only did he have acting tryouts, he had basketball tryouts. Now, Santa Lathan had no basketball experience. None. She didn't even know how to dribble the ball when she got on set. And then he, she was sent to a basketball training school for a couple months. And I thought she was a real basketball player when I was watching this.
1: Same. She did good. And apparently uh, when it was coming down to choose an actress, it was between her and another, uh, another potential person to play Monica who was more of a basketball player than she was an actress. So while uh, Santa Lathan was you know, doing this basketball camp, the other person was doing acting camp. And at the end of the day you know, the director had to, to look back and say, we can fake the basketball scenes, but we can't fake the close-up, so you have to go with the better actor, so so that was a good opportunity for her. I know that the actress, Santa Leithin, did she say that she was quite miserable, though, on the set, um, which I get it, because she is doing a lot of work here, and at times she kind of felt like a last choice, and I think that That her and the director, uh, Gina, they did clash a bit because this was Gina's baby, obviously. And and she didn't always feel that she was living up to the expectations. But in the 20th anniversary interview that they had, you know, they said that they're able to look back fondly on it and laugh about it. So that's good.
0: Oh, that kind of goes into the influence about combating the stereotypes of female athletes. While giving them representation and this is where the wep- the representation comes in is that she doesn't look just like an actress. She's not she's not thin. She's not made up or anything. She's not like this. I mean, she's she's still gorgeous, but she's not like the over the top Hollywood.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: she also has muscle definition. Like she looks like an actual athlete and they're not hiding those muscles.
1: Oh, her arms were nice.
0: Her core was nice.
1: Hmm.
0: Where were we? Ah, movie. I <laughs> I like that because I feel like a lot of times, I think more so in action movies, you have a kind of have a, a tiny female. I mean, yeah, this is not all about muscle mass to to kill a bunch of people or like to engage in combat. But mm-hmm. you would think that somebody doing that for a good amount of time would have some kind of definition to them.
1: Yeah not be all dainty.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like they just pick them up and throw them off a roof.
1: (laughs) Like, she's muscular, but she's still, you know, she's still beautiful. And it's something that, you know, a lot of times, like, even still and today, that you see athletes like Serena Williams are just constantly criticized for being too masculine in their appearance. And it's crazy. Because, I mean, obviously, these are beautiful women, but it's still very much an issue that there are criticisms about this and and preconceived notions about you know femininity and athletes and it, it's interesting but it's still such a big issue
0: superhero movies too you know superhero movies being the biggest genre we have right now definitely the box office winner although we don't really get a lot of the we get a lot of like hearing about the males workout seeing them in their shirtless scene debut all of them no i think chris pratt was probably like the biggest one hmm. But we don't really see that too much with females, except for Wonder Woman. But I think, like, they couldn't have gotten away with that. And even then, everybody was, like, kind of criticizing how how kind of thin she was. Though, I mean, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: as, as far as I know, you know, Gal Gadot was in the actual army. Like, she knows what she's doing. But when you think about other female superheroes, I mean, look at Black Widow. You would, I mean, you actually really don't even get to see their arms too often. They're usually covered up in long sleeves, some real tight outfit you never you never actually get to see that genuine definition
1: yeah i remember when uh she-hulk came out there was kind of a bogus article if you ask me that was just talking about like well you wanting she-hulk to have muscles is you not being feminist and deciding what a woman's body should look like i'm like no i mean like you had an opportunity to show off a different type of body. That, you know, many women do have and is attainable and is a part of this character. And you decided not to like, don't try to shift it so that you're blaming everyone else and trying to make everyone else look bad for wanting this.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's somebody that just had their moment finally of like being able to be on the side of feminists or at least they mm-hmm. thought they did. Yeah. Like, who's but with no. me? Anybody? No no one? Everybody's gone.
1: Yeah, it failed miserably.
0: <laughs> I'm here for it, though. Can we get a hashtag started? Hashtag woman definition in superhero movies. Mm -hmm. Looking at you, Marvel, period. (laughs) Yes. Not a long hashtag. Now, who would you recommend this movie to?
1: I'd recommend this to a general audience. I think that this is a light, enjoyable film that anyone can really appreciate.
0: I'd recommend this to a general audience. And then I would say cinephiles that are looking for a certain movie. We talked about this before where it's not just about always having to see like the best of the best or seeing like technical achievements. And the reason that we watch this is because it has good black representation. So I will recommend this to Cinephiles. You know, they just seen a lot of movies. Especially Cinephiles have probably seen a lot of like the, the the black struggle movies or the struggles of any any race. And they want a good representation of a black film. This is one I would recommend. You know, mm-hmm. we have just just with any other race too. I was I would say the same. If we have a movie that is a good represent representation for the Latinx community, hey that that's a movie that there there are sometimes that I want to see representation of another race, of another nationality, sometimes.
1: Just sometimes. <laughs> well, I
0: mean, I, I can't say all the time. There's not, <laughs> you know, sometimes you want a horror movie. Yeah, it's always sometimes. There's so many movies that I can only make sometimes for every one of them. Sometimes I want to see a horror movie. Sometimes I want to see a good representation about another race. Sometimes I want to watch an action movie.
1: Why not both? <laughs> why not an action movie that's also a good representation never another reason?
0: <laughs> that's too much to ask for, apparently. You, you tell me <laughs> why I can't ask for that. <laughs> but you know what I want all the time, Caitlin? What? Just a good movie. That's it. That's fair. <laughs> all right, Caitlin, we'll go ahead and uh, check you these spoilers. I'm going to go ahead and get into it. Is there anything that you want to say before? Nope. All right, guys, like I warned you. And now I'm warning you. I warned you about my warning that's coming up. There are going to be spoilers ahead. So if you have not seen the film, all right, stop it here. Watch the movie. Come back. I don't know, maybe listen to it again. Uh, if you don't care about spoilers or if you've seen this film, continue forth. Caitlin, you said that you had a significance that has spoilers in it. What was it?
1: Uh, well, so I talked about how the script changed uh, with the WNBA being in existence when this movie was in production, so prior it just ended with the the scene on the blacktop where our characters get together, but then, uh, Gina Prince Blythewood, she added this ending with our lead character Monica now in the WNBA, and so she had that as her you know successful moment and that was something that wouldn't have been possible prior to to when this uh, script was written.
0: Yeah, and I did... I mean, the ending's... It's not like a grand finale, but it wraps up mm-hmm. well for what it set up.
1: Yeah. I think that while the other ending would have been okay as well, I think that this was a nice addition and especially good for people who also have that dream.
0: And I like that she was still playing basketball and Omar Epps was on the sideline with the child. I think we mm-hmm. see movies a lot and TV shows where the female has to accept, not accept, or like she comes to realization that what she really wants in life is to have a family, to bear kids, and then she's the one seeing it sit on the sideline.
1: Yeah. So I think that was also important, just that gender reversal.
0: I guess I'll be enforcing... Would be mis, mis-, mis-, mis- misogyny or patriarchy. Down are with just, them both. That's what I say.
1: Are you just like throwing out keywords right now?
0: I don't know, like gentrification, genderfication.
1: <laughs> I don't even. I don't not the sure I follow you right now.
0: <laughs> Women's suffrage. I I vote for it.
1: Glass ceiling.
0: <laughs> now you mentioned that some quarters were better than the others. What quarters did you? Well, you said the beginning quarters. What was the other quarter that you didn't find as interesting?
1: Uh, I liked the high school and the college quarter the best. I think that the beginning and the end lacked a little bit for me. The beginning was just the dialogue. I just think that the dialogue was really cheesy, and it did get better as it went on. It wasn't perfect dialogue. I think that the script is well written in other ways, but I do think that dialogue was something that lacked a little bit. But as far as the final arc, I just feel like that's my own personal biases because of how I felt about this relationship. The reasons for why this relationship failed to begin with uh, when they broke up in college, I think that it was something that I would have been okay if they had just parted ways. Uh, I don't know, but I really was rooting for this relationship i really did not like q uh at the reason for why this relationship derailed is because q finds out that his father has been cheating on his mother and may have possibly gotten another woman pregnant and he's dealing with this emotional issue he's having a really hard time struggling with it and he's trying to open up to monica And she has to leave him because of her curfew for basketball. And the thing that I think really bothered me with that scene is because she even offered for him to come to her room and spend time with him and still, so she can be with him while also still being on this curfew. And, And he acts like she didn't put out that olive branch. And he's so absorbed with his emotional issues that he even starts cheating on her. So he's doing the same thing that he was mad at his father for and not even actually no i think the real issue is that he was less upset that his father cheated on his mother than he was that his father lied to him A- and that was something that really stood out to me and i was just i do not like this man <laughs> i think that monica deserved so much better uh than what he did to her in this college scene i think it was engaging to watch but i just i did not like him <laughs>
0: I agree. For most of it. I mentioned that I didn't care for a cue and I don't think he had resolution for some things that he should have apologized for. And that's the big one was that Mm -hmm. he just because she couldn't spend time because she had to go. She had a curfew like it was school, you know, it was the it was the team rule. And then she did give him, you know, the chance to come back to the dorm. And actually, even during that first encounter, she gives him that opportunity to come to the dorm. She said, "Hey, let's you know, let's kick it in my room because of that curfew." So they didn't mm-hmm. have to sit outside and talk on the bench. So it, that was that was ridiculous what he had done, and he never apologizes for it. And I was really hoping at the end that he would apologize because I think that would have been showing himself being more of a man than he was when he was a kid. Because when he's a kid, he's trying to write, "I'm sorry," and he says, "I can't do this." So I think like it would have been a good come around for him if he was to admit that he was wrong and apologize for what he did back then but no he never does and then she's so so much in love with him I like I see why they they had that romance again they they have that chemistry as far as him being mad more about his father lying to him than his mother I would say it's it would be a hard decision for me to make no, I just haven't had that situation, but I can understand his frustration being more so about his father lying to him, because what it, the the cheating is really is between, uh, his father and his mother. Like that, that's honestly that's concerning th- those two. But and, and of course it does concern you as well, but not as directly. But him lying to your face after telling you about how like how to be a man for him always talking straight to him and then for him to directly lie to him that's a that's a one right there for sure so i can see why that frustrated him more
1: yeah i mean i think with the thing with him being more subject so lied to i i think that it bothers me more just because of his actions uh you mentioned prior that you see how parents affect how our leads deal with their own relationships and it was just such a small time frame, but this all went down. Uh, he was upset with her because she did not give him the emotional support he needed. Uh, even though she was trying, even after that moment, she was reaching out to him and, and doing her best. Uh, he still just shut her down and then and went and cheated on her right in front of her face. And that was a very poor way of handling it as well. And... Uh, The fact that he's, you know, really upset and grieving and upset because of his parents' marriage, but then he goes and cheats on her and does the exact same thing within, like, a day, within just a day or two. That's why I was like, okay, he really, this isn't what he's upset about. Like, this doesn't, he's not learning anything from this. He's just reacting.
0: Oh, yeah. He was definitely reacting, and he was probably reacting like how his father would have reacted during that time. And when we say cheating, I mean, it's kind of technical. He doesn't sleep with her, doesn't have, like, intimacy with her. However, I find this slightly more offensive than if he did mm-hmm. just, like, sleep with her behind her back during that drunken night. But this was, like, a, con- a conscious decision. Like, we're talking about the next day. Like, he's had time to process all of this. And he said that the only reason that he took her to some cheap fast food joint was to make her jealous. Like that's way too many steps processing conscious decision-making taking mm-hmm. place. And for you never to yeah. apologize about that. And then the mother talks about how she would have liked for him to, um, or for her, Monica. Monica's mother says, you know, you, you're not as prissy as me. You should fight. And I wonder if they're saying that she should have fought more back then because I don't think so. And mm-hmm. maybe I'm a pacifist in relationships, but... I don't fully agree with the whole you got to fight for romance, busting through the church, um, d- doing what you got to do to stop somebody else's relationship, probably because I don't believe in like the whole soulmate thing. Like, it, hey, the situation's messed up. Like she was definitely in the right. She would have been in the right if she left, had her own great relationship and just moved on. Mm hmm. I mentioned in my review that I would have liked a little bit more in some things. And one of those is the relationship between Q and his father. I think I just needed one more scene, just one more between the two of those to really get the full impact of his father lying to him and how that put him in such an emotional distress. I like, it was right there. It was right there. I almost had it. Like it could have, it could have really reached that emotional, uh, Peak for me, but it felt a little bit short. But I still, I still liked it, and I like how the father wasn't overly flawed. Like it wasn't like this is a bad dude. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, this just isn't. This is a guy who made mistakes. Uh, he's not the he's not the best parent. He's trying to make up for it, but he's just a flawed man. And no parents, no parent is perfect.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I would have also liked to see some resolution with that as well.
1: Yeah, and I feel like. Because there is no emotional resolution in the last quarter of the film, like I don't, I'm not convinced that it wouldn't happen again. That this guy knows how to properly deal with his emotions in in a way that wouldn't be self sabotaging to his relationship.
0: Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I'm not saying always forgive those that cause trauma to you, but I think that. Him having an emotional resolution and being able to forgive his father would help him come to some, some kind of, res- again, resolution, keep saying a resolution within himself and be able to then, uh, then speak that to Monica, like, Hey, this is what I recognize what I did wrong. This is why I'm not going to do it again. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Again, there's no apology ever.
1: No. And even at the end, he's cheating on his fiance with Monica. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about Tyra Banks. Tyra Banks is in this, by the way.
1: Yeah, because she just showed up, and I was like, Tyra Banks.
0: <laughs> I saw the name and completely yeah. forgot about it until she showed back up, until mm-hmm. she showed up in the movie. It's so, like, oh, it's Tyra Banks.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, last thing about that, what I think may have happened, and I can I can definitely see it. So the climactic romance scene, like the climactic them getting back together, which is done over a basketball game. I thought that was I thought that was clever. I thought that was a great moment. I think it had that romantic tension, will they or won't they, but in a physical in a physical game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that they may have got so caught up in that, like, oh, man, this is great. That's nice. That was a little bit tunnel vision.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Did you like that scene, though? With the Because I, I think that's probably like the big, I heard somebody talking about that recently. But I think that's like one of the the highlights of the movie.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it because there is that physicality to it and it adds more tension. I just at the same time, I just kept thinking, okay, like I know how it's going to end. Obviously, you know where these things go. And but I just kept thinking, well, he's cheating on Tyra Banks, isn't he technically? (laughs) Did he really learn anything?
0: (laughs) That's funny because that's what happens in Scott Pilgrim. The first time he goes through the final level, uh, he says like, no, I wasn't cheating on you. I was cheating on her with you, and she's like, Is, <laughs> "Does that make it better?" And I, I think, yeah, he gets the, the the sword with the power of love, and you know, he doesn't do so well with that. And when he comes back, he admits that he's wrong. He says, "Hey, to both of you, like, yeah, I I'm not only that messed up, but I hurt your feelings, and I didn't take that into consideration." And he even does he even tells his ex girlfriend, and then he gets the sword with the power of self respect. That's something I would have liked mm-hmm. to see. With Omar.
1: Get some swords?
0: No, 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 but like a basketball. <laughs> like he makes the shot with the one with the love and it doesn't score and then he gets the one with the self-respect and he makes the three.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Well, a sword fight would have been cool, too. I'm not saying no to a sword fight. Never will.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Like there just had to be something more in that, that final quarter just to give him a little bit more of redeemable qualities for me. I will say one character I really liked was uh, Monica's mother, played by Alfie Rudard. They have a a really good moment where she's talking about how she doesn't want to be like her mother. Her mother's, you know, in her mind is just a housewife, a very subservient person to her husband and her family and there are a moment before earlier in the film where you see her talking about how tired she is and then the husband just comes and puts more work on her with ironing clothes and it's an interesting conversation because while i do feel for the mother and I sympathize of her. She's also very much a character that doesn't want to be sympathized for, because she cares about her family, and she sees, you know, her family as her joy and her purpose. And that itself is is feminist in a way. So it's 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 an interesting, uh, conversation that's in this film that's full of nuance, and it's a good. It was interesting.
0: I did like her a lot, and. It's like something personal, too. Like, I just found her comforting. I don't know. I think she, maybe mm-hmm. she reminded me of my grandmother a little bit. I was totally on her side, though, the whole time. Like it's a good thing, like, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. in the back. Because there were so many times I was like, don't you talk to her like that? Like, go mm-hmm. ahead and iron your own clothes. You're a grown man. <laughs> you can run a bank, but you can't iron your own clothes. Yeah. And then when Monica started speaking back to her, I was hey, like, hey, 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 hey. You don't know what she does. All right. Spoiled brat. yeah Monica was kind of rude to her a lot of times yeah I don't I'm no I'm physical discipline not totally for it sometimes I'm like hey yeah I get it that time I was like yeah I get it (laughs) I was worried that Omar was gonna get hit by his dad and I'm glad that he didn't do that I thought that would have been a little too much
2: Mm -hmm.
0: but when Monica's and it's not a female thing it's just like the way that these characters were betrayed. I was like, yeah, yeah, she kind of had that coming to her. Though it'd been yeah. funny, she still had flour <laughs> on her hands and it's smanning, you just see a big poof.
1: <laughs> that would have been good. But yeah, like I, I like that scene. I think it was a way of accepting the way that her mother goes about the world and the way that her mother shows love and, and understanding her mother as a person when she couldn't before. But, you know, everything was centered about Her own worldviews and her love of basketball, and not being able to share that with her mother, but not realizing that her mother was caring for her in a different way. Not to say that her mother was perfect. I mean, she definitely should have gone to more of her games and tried to be more supportive in that way. But I think she still loved her child and was trying to show love.
0: And she recognized it. It felt like she recognized it.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Also, back to that slap, I just noticed, like, for some reason, it's like not triumphant. But it's somewhat satisfying. It's it's somewhat interesting watching a mother slap like usually you see them like slap their son, like is is like hovering over them, like twice their weight, like hundred percent more muscle mass, and then they they get slapped by the mother and they just turn real quiet. Like, <laughs> and and it's kind of the same thing with her. So maybe that's why like it didn't bother me as much because yeah, Monica, Monica could like bench her.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we just
0: got done talking about how fit Monica was, and she she hushed up real quick.
2: <laughs> yep.
0: You know her hands were tired too. You gonna get you on your mama while she's baking a pie? <laughs> Again, good thing I wasn't out there. I was like, "Hey, Miss uh, Miss Wright, I'll, I'll handle this one." <laughs> Not really, cause she uh, Monica would probably tore me apart.
2: Yeah, I'm you would hear much. me crying from the
0: garage, Miss Rye, Miss
1: Rye. Definitely.
0: Anything else you want to talk about while we got the spoilers up?
1: No, was there anything you wanted to say about um, either like her career overseas or her relationship with uh, with her team and that one girl that she took her place from?
0: It was cool. I I really honestly it didn't really make too much for me. It just progressed the story.
1: Okay. All right, I don't have anything special to say about it either, So
0: Yeah. Make sure there, we were, there were some parts that just, I don't know, we were just progressing the story. I didn't really, I mean, when we started getting to, I mean, the final quarter, that's the time that I was more interested in the other things with the, I was more interested in the parents and how they were proceeding after what they had hoped and dreamed for. Yeah. Oh, I did mention, I mentioned how you can see like why, Writing wise, maybe why the, the basketball championships weren't as highlighted mm-hmm. going throughout the film. Because when we first see it in that championship, we're seeing like almost a whole, we're not seeing almost a whole game, but we're seeing a good portion of it. There's a lot of build up to it. And then the second one we see with Monica, there's still some, there's not really much build up to it. We see it happen. And then the third one, they don't even show the game. They just done. And that can show like how she is kind of falling out of her, her love for basketball.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was checked out.
0: Does this movie hold up for you?
1: I think that a lot of the elements and the significance we talked about make this hold up. Uh, It's still a light film. It's still an enjoyable film. And we can see that it's still a film that is relevant because we still don't get a lot of romantic comedies that have both leads of color And we still see a lot of issues of gender equality in sports um, as far as pay, as far as uh, recognition. So I think that all of that conversation and those points that we talked about in Significance, I think that they, they really do hold up. It makes this film hold up. I'm not sure if the relationship itself holds up just because of the issues I mentioned before. Like, I'd be curious if like a younger like Gen Z would find this as romantic as audiences who watched this and enjoyed it when it first came out. Because I feel like uh, in today's society, we are a little bit more uh pickier when it comes to pulling apart relationships that might not be as healthy uh, on screen. So I, I, I'm curious how that would hold up for a younger audience.
0: I think it would... I don't think it would hurt the film too much because for the most part, it's good in the film and then it gets a little shaky. So it would actually probably like bring up a good discussion between the younger audience or those that, you know, um, that will kind of pick apart the relationship a little bit more and make for good conversation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I think this film does hold up. And I think even when we get more films with just regular representation, I think this will still be there just because it's one of the first. And, and I think that's okay. I think it's a well enough movie that it deserves, that, that it's all right holding that spot.
1: I mean, there definitely were ones before, I believe. Yeah, yeah. One think, of the first. One of the first. Yeah. And it I think out. it's, once again, one of the few that actually received, you know, pretty good recognition and has that cult classic status
0: yeah I guess this would be a cult classic. What would you give this overall?
1: I will give this a c plus and I mean it's a high c plus I mean, I do enjoyed this film, but it's just because of the relationship not really feeling that. And some of the cheesy dialogue that kind of brings it down. But I still absolutely think that this is a very significant film and it achieved a lot. And I'm very happy with that. And I enjoyed this film overall.
0: I will also, I'm right there with you. I give this a C plus and a strong C plus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think it's a a movie that, like we said over and over, it has good representation and I, like I said, with the writing and the directing, I think the writing is, is well enough. I think the directing is good. I think the lighting needs some touch up. But, oh, wait, God dang, can we talk about one more thing? Yeah. The dude, she took the prom. <laughs> All the things that this film, you know, it says with, with good intentions and, and, and makes good messages. We talked about how the sex scene is just, it's a good example and it's a good teaching point for children to practice safe sex what is not okay is for you to be a college student and then go to a girl's spring dance that's not even prom it's the spring dance i didn't even go to the dances when i was in high school why would i want to go like that that part is weird enough and then you're going to take a high school student and i thought to myself this is this is weird i'm like this is also i feel
1: like people did that though when we were in high school
0: I think so too, cause I feel like I've heard it before. Maybe it was real life, maybe it was TV. Like I get the one year part. Like if you guys were dating, you were junior, she or he was a senior, and just graduated one year ahead. That I that I can kind of get, but mm-hmm. for you to go on a blind date to a spring dance, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> of a high school, Jake. And what really what really set it in, and I sent you a like a a gift of me dry heaving is when he asked her. So, uh, how's school? I was like, uh I was like, that's just <laughs> like a, oh, it's, yeah, it's like talking to a kid. Like, how's school? What's your favorite subject? And then he said, <laughs> yeah, high school is pretty cool. Like, he was reminiscing about high school. I, I thought the next. Yeah, that,
1: was, uh, that was a grown man.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was not, not going to take any points. Not really a final comment. Just that clicked in my head. I wanted to talk about that real quick and just let everybody know, like, hey, gotta no. All right, no. <laughs> I don't care if it's legal. No. I don't care if you're not doing anything intimate. No, this is not okay. He was trying, though. (laughs) Oh, he was trying.
1: He was definitely trying. But yeah, he really was talking to her like she was a child.
0: (laughs) I don't know why she trusts him getting the punch, either. Talk about other messages that that need to be given.
1: I I honestly did think that when uh, he went to go get a drink. I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to spike it.
0: Yeah, I thought, I I didn't think about it at the time. So, you know, I would have probably been done. It'll be like retrospect for me waking up in a bush. (laughs) Or like, like, like I'm like, I think of it like, you know, I'm probably taking that. Yep. (laughs) Final comments. It's a good movie. It has some flaws to it, but it has some it has some good messages in it. And I like that. Mm -hmm. And I like some of the things that they that they went out and set to do.
1: Yeah. And like I said, even though I'm not sold on the relationship, they still have good chemistry and it makes it engaging to watch.
0: So we talked about love and basketball. Now we're going to talk about Boys and the Hood. Now, kind of a similar premise between the two. <laughs> no, not not at all. This is not a romance. So Boys and the Hood, I mentioned that I actually just saw this movie. Uh, this is a movie that neither of us have seen before, before scheduling this at least. And I'm excited for this one. I've talked a little bit about Guess Who's Coming to Dinner that I wanted to talk about about a certain subject with this one mainly the the identity that comes with being black and the whole what it means to be black and also want to talk about hood struggle movies this will be our first hood struggle movie as well so i'm definitely looking forward to this i'm sure caitlin is as well
1: yeah this isn't a film that's really been on my radar i can't say i'm a big fan of hood struggle films or have seen a lot i guess i've seen some um i don't know we'll see how it goes I don't know much about this film, so I don't really know what to expect.
0: Actually, I've been looking forward to this film it was like recent years. I was like, man, I really want to watch Boys in the Hood. And well, time just passes by quick, especially when, you're, when you have a movie on your list. It can be top priority, and somehow the year just goes by. And like, crap, I never watched it. Uh, so that's how it was yeah. for me, and then we got a podcast. And again, that's why I'm glad we're going weekly. I was like, crap, how am I going to get this in? It's like themes keep coming up, and I can't sneak in Boys in the Hood.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say I'm kind of nervous. Because like I said, we talked about how this film is very much not a struggle film. So I don't know if I'm in the zone (laughs) for a struggle film.
0: Have we talked about how Love and Basketball isn't a struggle film or how Boys in the Hood isn't a struggle film?
1: How Love and Basketball isn't a struggle film.
0: Yes. I would say one thing after seeing it. It's not what I thought it was going to be. Okay. Yeah, it was not what I thought it was going to be fully. So I'll say yeah, whatever expectations you have, just go in, just blank slate.
1: Okay. All right.
0: Now Caitlin, while we're out there in the hood and HQ, where can they find us?
1: You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at op silver screen. On Facebook, we're at Operation Silver Screen, but Twitter and Instagram—that's Op Silver Screen. You can also find us on our personal letter boxes to see what else we're watching throughout the week. Maybe look out some reviews on films that we're not talking about on here. You can find Brian at Swank Seal—that's capital S, capital S—and for me, I'm going to be at Coffee Spoon Kate—that's Coffee Spoon C A I T.
0: Yes, definitely hit us up on the the Instagram. They'll send us those direct messages. I think they fully—I think we fully say it out now. I'm not sure but love to hear your input slide you no-
1: into our direct messages
0: <laughs> yes now contact us on instagram we really want to hear your input if you notice we changed up the intro of course we're doing weekly and we have some other things in store we're definitely trying to uh progress exponentially and looking towards any kind of input yeah definitely till next time i'm bryant and i'm Caitlin. see you.